Hey Trailblazers, welcome back to the Business Casual Podcast. It has been a while since we released a new episode and I apologize for the delay. I know we missed a few weeks, but things have been absolutely crazy between starting a new job, Mariana finishing high school. This week we have her prom, her graduation. We are headed to Montreal this coming weekend for the Montreal Grand Prix for Formula One. I'm going with work. Mariana is going as her grad present. Also, just the fact that things are opening up. It has just been very busy, very crazy. That being said, there's also been some very exciting things happening on the back end here at Business Casual, which we will officially be able to announce very soon, but it is very exciting and we cannot wait to share with you guys. And it's all thanks to you. So thank you for pressing play on today's episode. You tuned in to a great one. We are chatting with Simran from LinkedIn. She is a client solutions manager at LinkedIn. And we were actually able to get connected through her sister. So shout out to her, who's also in my program. And Simran, as I mentioned, is a client solutions manager at LinkedIn Marketing Solutions with previous experience at Air Canada as a performance marketing manager. Simran's top goal with her clients are to specialize in turning business obstacles into data-driven media solutions. Beyond work, she's been passionate about coaching and is a sneakerhead behind the scenes. Our conversation is very interesting today. We talk a lot about the transition into sales, the transition between traditional marketing into big tech. We talk more about what can make you successful in a sales role and a little bit more about what the corporate culture is like at LinkedIn and the difference between having a personal brand versus a work brand. And it's a very interesting conversation and I learned a lot from Simran and what she had to say on those topics. So without further ado, I want to introduce you to Simran. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure you are subscribed. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at business.casual.podcast. A few of you have messaged me recently saying how much you've been enjoying our episodes and our content. That always means the world to me. So if you are enjoying our episodes, please feel free to send me a message. I love chatting with you guys. And be sure to rate and review this podcast and maybe even send it to a friend if you think it is helpful. Without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hey Trailblazers, welcome back to the show. I am so excited to introduce you to today's guest, Simran. Hi Simran, how are you today? Good, how are you? I'm good. How is your Monday going? My Monday's been, uh, I think it's gloomy. I'm like sitting in my basement so I can't even see if it's actually gloomy. Uh, but it's been a slow start to the week actually. It's been uh, it's been nice. Usually Mondays That's are good. the packed days or... Um, I would say it, it was uh, less because some clients cancel some meetings. So you know what? It works out for you. I love that. And you just, you were mentioning before you just came back from California. How was your trip? How was the California weather? Dry, but honestly, so hot. It's yeah. nice because obviously Toronto weather has been uh, a little up and down, a little bipolar, I feel. Um, it's like one day there's a storm and then one day it's suddenly so sunny. Um, so it's definitely been great. Um, it was consistently like, I think 25 to 30 degrees every day, but then suddenly would drop to like 15 to 20 at night. Classic San Francisco, I feel. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Or was it a work trip or was it a personal trip? It was a work trip. So it was actually an offsite. Um, it was a bunch of our like services team. So we're kind of like mid-market and online services. That's how we're categorized um, and we kind of just came together all the way from like New York, Chicago, Boston, 
um, the whole Canadian team, which is all based in Toronto. Um, yeah. And we all got together in Sunnyvale, which is the head office. So that was really exciting. That's so exciting. What were the offices like? Is it your first time visiting the corp- like the head offices in California? Yeah. Yeah. So there's like the Sunnyvale office, which is the main campus. And obviously that's humongous. Um, so each little building has it has like its own little little like nook or like cafe and, and like little food court and you can just bike around to different locations. Um, and then we went to another one, which was in San Francisco, which is like a good 26 floors. Um, oh my gosh. But it was nice because I got to meet or just bump into the CEO and wow. I was just like, oh, hey, <laughs> it was nice. So I feel like the trip was worth it, right? Yeah, that sounds like a very successful trip. So that's, <laughs> that's, that's good. Kind good, of what you aim for at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, we're so excited to have you on the show today and chat more about LinkedIn and your career. But my icebreaker question today, I have a new one. I haven't asked this one ever on the podcast before. And it's sure. when you were younger and people asked you, what do you want to be when you grow up? What was your answer? Honestly, I feel like I don't remember the answer, but I feel like there okay. was a phase in my childhood where I was like, I want to just be a teacher. A teacher I just wanted, I just, nice. I, and I don't know why. I would definitely not look back and do that again. <laughs> But I don't know why. I do remember writing essays where it was like, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? And me just writing paragraphs and paragraphs about why I want to be a teacher. No idea why, honestly. Don't think I would ever do that. But I think that's what it was. It's I The reason I like came up with this question when I was uh, brainstorming for the interview was actually because I heard a stat recently that yeah. nowadays when you ask kids that, one of the top answers is an influencer. And I just thought that was oh so God. funny. Because that's actually hilarious. Yeah, I have a very sense. young brother, and I feel like a couple years ago when I asked him what he wanted to do, he's like, I just want to be a YouTube vlogger. <laughs> like, do you know <laughs> what a YouTubers. vlogger is, though? <laughs> that's so funny. I love it. I know I gave a quick intro about you at the beginning of the show, but I'd love to hear in your own words how you would describe your career, your personality, and maybe some of your passions outside of work. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Well, my career definitely, um, based off of my education, is very different. Um, I Let's start with education, maybe. Um, From an education perspective, I started off at U of T, just like you. Um, I started off thinking, you know, I don't know if I'm going to get into Rotman. Maybe I'll just do like art and sciences. Um, Maybe I'll just go into economics and then I'll transfer later. Um, I'll see how it goes. My aim was just honestly, like, I just wanted to be a part of U of T, dream school and everything. Um, I get in and I'm like, oh my God, this is probably the hardest thing I've (laughs) ever done. (laughs) And I talked to a bunch of advisors and everyone's like, you're not getting into Rotman. There's barely like a couple people that get in every year. That's not happening. Um, That was kind of my shift to be like, Okay, if I, and I always wanted to be in marketing, if I wanted to be Mm -hmm. in marketing, this is probably going to be one thing I'm really going to have to hustle in. And that's like my jobs and pretty much everything I do relate to my career. Um, So I kind of kept school as something that I was always, of course, investing time in, but I was ensuring I was always on top of my career. So I started off doing an internship back in India. I think this was like the summer fourth year. It was a one-month internship. I ended up spending four months there. Um, and it was pretty much helping out um, an e-commerce brand that was in retail, like pretty much CPG and luxury retail. 
Um, then when I moved back here, obviously for my second year, I was doing a part-time internship at Demand Gen. Um, that was actually at a pretty much an IT consulting company. Um, at the time, of course, that the fact that it was part-time, I could balance school and yeah. balance my career. Um, it also kind of gave me a bit more insight into like another aspect of marketing. Um, that's when in my fourth year, obviously the kind of the pressure of like, okay, I need a job at the, yeah, get a job, but also every Rotman student is probably going to graduate at this point in time. Um, I quickly started applying to jobs, probably a little more in advance than everyone else would. Um, So that was literally the beginning of fourth year. Um, I applied to Air Canada, didn't get the job, but I think they reached out to me later for another position. Um, And my director obviously was very nice to say, I know you're doing school, but we would love to have you here. Um, so pretty much did full-time school in my last year and a full-time job, which was wow. probably the biggest undertaking I've done. Um, yeah, I spent about three and a half years there within digital media buying and performance marketing. Um, then just recently, a year ago, I moved to marketing sales at LinkedIn. Um, and I'm very, it's definitely a very exciting opportunity because it's a complete shift from what I was doing like for three and a half years. For sure. Yeah, that's so awesome. And I kind of want to go back to at the beginning, what you were saying there is that, you know, you had this pressure to like hustle and get internships and get jobs. Did that come from internally? Like you were the one or did you feel like pressure from other people or was it because, you know, you didn't have this like name of like Rotman or Queens Commerce or whatever school you were going to? Like, was it kind of that? Like, I want to dive into that a bit. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a mix of both, right? When you see that ideal persona that you created for yourself right before school and you're not meeting that, it's, okay, how do I deal with this now? There's yeah. something that um, we did like with my director at an offsite, I think a couple weeks ago, and there was like this visualization exercise where he was like, I want to see what everyone wants to be in five years. And one thing that he determined from what I was going to, or like what I was presenting that I wanted to be in five years, he said, you have a very ideal, like you have the ideal of exactly what you want. Like you can literally picture it and you can be there right now if you wanted to. And then the first thing he asked me was, how do you deal with situations when you have to pivot? And -hmm. I think that's exactly what you kind of have to deal with too, right? It's okay. There's pressure of, everything that's around you your friends are going through the exact same circumstance but maybe they have that label of Rotman or Queens or Schulich but you don't how are you going to distinguish yourself beyond that and how are you going to get ahead of the game I think that's um kind of the ever-lying question Mm -hmm. and that's exactly what you kind of need to look at rather than just looking at the label and how you can pivot from it and so what do you think was your if you could look back now what do you think was kind of like the defining aspect of how you and I think this could work for anyone regardless of your industry mm-hmm. or school you're in like how did you differentiate yourself like did you think did you try and build like more of a personal brand when you were networking were you more just kind of like putting your name anywhere you could like did you have mm-hmm. like a tactical what was that process like I think because of the fact that I didn't have business school under my mm-hmm. belt or I didn't have um all the work like prior work experience because I just moved from India right before university I think my thing was I wanted to ensure I was still very aware of what I was doing when I was going into interviews 
So that means educating myself, being on top of like ad industry trends, being able to really speak to specific products at Google, at LinkedIn, at Twitter, um, being able to also know how to endorse yourself, I think is a huge thing too. It doesn't even have to be about yeah. personal brand. Like Simran needs to be known for being an expert at Google products. It can be Simran is the outgoing person that is specifically very aware of specific trends and she's adaptable and can or knows how to like build client relationships. I think the soft skills really do help when you're trying to endorse yourself. Yeah, definitely. I think it's a skill that I am currently working through now that I have a new job and you kind of get there and you're like, no. you know, you have, you got the hard part done. Like you got the job, you got the internship, whatever it is, exactly. you get there and you're like, oh my gosh, I have to actually like, you know, show up. And now you're battling this other uphill battle where it's like imposter syndrome. Do I actually belong just gonna here? just going to say that. Yeah. Like, is that something you <laughs> dealt with as well? Because also you've pivoted industries as well too. I mean, yeah. I I know you were in marketing and um, at both roles, but, you know, going from the airline industry to like tech um, yeah, did you deal with imposter syndrome and kind of how did you, do you have any tips for overcoming that, especially when you're switching industries or starting a new job per se? Yeah, I felt like I face imposter syndrome or like that complex of like, am I good enough or is this what I want to do in very different ways though in each industry. So like when I joined mm-hmm. the airline industry in Air Canada at the time, it was a very small team. However, mm-hmm. everyone came from a very similar background. They came from agencies, they came from very high and prestigious like marketing um, degrees they came from a huge network and like all came from references versus like I just applied and I kind of was like oh I'm here hey I'm here (laughs) and then when you start on day one you're like how is everyone speaking this language but I don't know Mm. what they're saying at all so I was kind of starting off net new and also from the ground Um, But honestly, that forced me to go even faster and faster in terms of like learning and adaptability versus like the imposter syndrome that I faced when I joined the tech industry and LinkedIn was very different. It was, oh, my God, there are like a thousand people that are the exact same as me. And like, how do I distinguish myself now? Yeah. You know, like you're already kind of past the education phase. You're past like the this is what I'm good at. And I know what LinkedIn is about. I know all the features. I know everything. But how do I distinguish myself here? Um, and you see people here for 10 years or 15 years, and they've gone above and beyond to create amazing trends at LinkedIn. And you're just like, how do I even fit myself here? Yeah. Um, so it's definitely been a very different experience at both places. For sure. And I want to get into your LinkedIn whole career and more about the company. So I think we'll start kind of what is a client solutions manager? Like, what does that mean? What are some tasks that you own or products that you own? Because Mm -hmm. I think one thing that I've learned is that I think from going from school to careers, you think everything is very generic, like you're in marketing. But even in the last, you know, month that I've started a new job, it's like, oh, you can be in, you're a brand manager or you're a marketing manager. And there's like brand activation versus like brand equity. There's so many different titles within the realm of marketing within the realm of finance I think you don't know about till you actually enter the industry so I would love to hear more about what a client solutions manager is because I've never heard it before yeah um okay so client solution manager is pretty much working alongside with an account executive and you're almost tag teaming like a pod um a book of accounts or book of clients um in any specific vertical um if 
Of course, it is vertical as or segmented. Um, I would say a client solution manager in my eyes is almost like the backbone in terms of technical support, reporting, being able to build a lot of like the nitty gritty of your strategy on LinkedIn um, and really being able to create net new growth and opportunities to a certain extent. Um, I would say it can at times be a very big overlap between you and your account executive because it's the way you're handling your client relationship. Right. Um, a lot of times, of course, the nuance is that, oh my God, we're in sales. So all we're just about is selling. Yeah. I mean, of course we would love to sell all day, but that really isn't it. And I think that's what LinkedIn also is very different in terms of LinkedIn marketing solutions and just the sales team overall. I don't think it's more about sales. It's more about client management, but also client relationships and client growth. Um, so that's where a client solution manager will come in with like actual data. They'll come in with specific reporting. They'll come in with like a full audit and a performance review saying, hey, this is what you did the last three months. This is what we forecast you for the last next three months. Or, hey, I just went through all of your campaigns. Um, it looks like these are your specific cost metrics. These are our cost benchmarks. This is how far you are from them. Let's help you grow. And we could upsell you on certain specific products. Let's do testing. Um, so it's really about kind of creating like a data-driven approach mm, for a client solution it. manager than just, you know, like, hey, I just have a product. Let's sell you on this. I mean, we talk about clients for LinkedIn. Is this like businesses mainly that are have like business pages on LinkedIn or like companies that are running ads? Like, is that what we talk about when we talk about clients on LinkedIn? Because I think it's interesting because it is obviously like a user-based platform where users yeah. are on the app and a lot of it is, is personal uh, profiles as well. But I know there is yeah. a whole other side where it's all businesses. Yeah. So obviously it's only for specific clients or advertising. Right. Um, and what I distinguish or or the team that I'm on distinguishes than other teams is we're more mid-market. So um, our clients are, of course, past like the new business stage. Right. Um, they're obviously going through a lot of year-over-year growth, quarter-over-quarter growth, or even half-over-half. Um, and at this point, they're going through probably a lot of funding or probably a lot of um, net new experience on LinkedIn. I think the best part about working at LinkedIn working with LinkedIn advertising is it's so seamless. Like you don't even mm -hmm. see the ads half the time. I, I know yeah. there's multiple encounters I have where people are like, why do you work here? Like, isn't LinkedIn free? <laughs> I'm like, well, that's a good thing. You don't see the ads and that means you don't yeah. even notice it. <laughs> no, it's very true. I can't even remember the last time I saw an ad on LinkedIn or if I even have seen one, nothing exactly. comes to mind. Um, exactly. And how has LinkedIn kind of helped shape your career like were you some of those active on LinkedIn was it like a target com company for you I know like we talk a ton about LinkedIn on the podcast mm -hmm. just because I think it's such a great platform especially for students or anyone who's early in their career to kind of like network and even just learn about all the companies that are out there because there's so many so I'd love to hear like how it just helped shape your career before joining the company yeah um I don't know if I always wanted to be at LinkedIn but I definitely wanted to be on the tech side mm -hmm. um then there is an aspect of do I always like, was I ever going to be on sales side? And absolutely not, honestly. Like, if that's what you asked me at the beginning, I'd be like, no, <laughs> big fat no, <laughs> like that's not happening. Um, but I think I definitely changed my perspective on it. 
um, I was obviously looking for a change. And the fact that um, I was kind of in the market for really being able to change what side I was on compared to being on client side, um, it was a very different experience because you kind of have to take your client hat off and be like, okay, it's not just about understanding how I can improve the client's relationship or the client's experience on LinkedIn. I also do need to a certain extent understand how this is going to influence our quotas or is going to influence our overall team growth from that standpoint. And how do I upsell them to X, Y, Z? Um, so I think that was a very, a very different move. Um, yeah. But one thing I really enjoy about LinkedIn training and LinkedIn's experience is we aren't salesy. It's yeah. really about like, I think one thing they always teach us is you would rather sell value than sell X amount of dollars at this point um, because LinkedIn is tried and tested and it is, of course, very brand safe. So these are things that, you know, you kind of don't need to go above and beyond to explain what really what and why LinkedIn. And why did you have, because I think sometimes sales get such a bad rap, like people don't want to be in sales because they think it's very pushy. Absolutely. Is that kind of the mis- or the the notion that you had going into it or, you know, when you were younger of why you didn't want to be in sales? For sure. Absolutely. I think my dad was in sales for a bit too. I think when he started off his career, he was like, I would never do that again. Um, but it's it's interesting because I did not realize how much I was doing it in my previous role when I was working with several other teams we had like a, a bunch of cross-functional teams I would work with and I would build like the advertising and media plans. And of course it was my role to present it to them, to ensure yeah. they would sign off on them, to ensure they were okay with like me saying, I want to increase this budget to X amount because I want to bring you X amount of ROI, or I want to bring you an X amount of conversions or acquisitions back. So I was technically selling. It was probably just not categorized as that. And I think that also has helped me on this role where I know when I'm being too salesy or too pushy, I know when to step back or I can kind of see through client words or client statements at times where I'm like, "Mm, (laughs) they're not buying it. It's not going to happen. You know, let's, let's back away. Let's try a different approach. So I think I've, I've been able to take that advantage at least to not be too salesy. And when you look at your career now, what are three skills, if you can drill it down that you think, everyone that's in a sales role or even like any type of client relationship, like what are some tips that you have for anyone that's early in their career that if you want to be kind of in a client relationship or things that you just think would help you in this type of role? Mm, That's a good question. I think the first thing that comes to my mind is to listen. There's actually this like one rule that we have, you know, when our training starts and like our manager definitely hones in on it is Even if you need to take a 30 second pause after a client opens up about something is take it, you know, like it is that awkward moment, but at times when there is that awkward moment, a client tends to react and speak more. Our client tends to give more information about maybe their frustrations with LinkedIn or maybe their frustrations with not being able to get what they wanted. So that's definitely one thing. Um, I would say second is being able to be proactive too in like kind of reading situations. Um, Given that it had come from client side, I was very proactive before maybe monthly meetings or biweekly meetings um, with a lot of our clients and understand, okay, 
I do have a feeling the results are going down, so they are probably going to come to this meeting maybe a little hot-headed, or maybe they may want to see much more than what we bring to them on a day-to-day, so let's come with some insights. I think that's always worked for someone who's in sales, just being a little on top of your game in that aspect. Um, Third, I would say is value add, what you can bring to them versus no one else. Um, So kind of look at it from that perspective. Um, There are times, of course, we reach out to some agencies or clients and we will literally have a chain of 25 replies to ourselves. (laughs) And it is obviously very disheartening or demotivating when maybe you're low on your quota or like you have, let's say there's like 25 days left to the end of the quarter and there's nothing coming back. I think it's about kind of capturing their eye or their attention and saying, okay, what can I bring that maybe no other company or no other partner can bring um, and capturing them through that. Those are all really good tips. And I think one thing I want to ask you is when you kind of are in these moments, like who do you lean on? Like what do you have managers? Do you have mentors? Like when, when you're down, and I think especially in sales, like you just brought it up, like if there are moments Mm -hmm. where you're kind of like, you know, month end is coming up or quarter end is coming up and, kind of what does that support system look like? And I guess kind of leaning into what the culture is like at LinkedIn. Um, Is there like a mentorship? Is it very like welcoming? I think sometimes tech gets such a glamorized view from the outside, especially as a business student. So I'd love to hear kind of what it's actually like from, from the inside. Yeah, you know what? I thought the same thing too. I was like, it's so glam and glitz and you're just like, people are so easy breezy (laughs) and I'm like it actually is true it's weirdly true um and that was also one misconception I had about being in sales I'm like I don't want to be like you know like the I think the first thing you think of in sales is kind of like a leaderboard of everyone's name and you're sitting there with like a number next to it and it's like the stock market of like who's the most amount of percentage hit and that's not it I don't think that's really it and I think that's a great environment to be in um, it is very healthy. Um, yeah. I would say for sure LinkedIn has been a very different experience too from being in an airline industry. And also it's been a very motivating and healthy environment because everyone is going through the same experience. So I think one thing that LinkedIn is really good at too is peer sharing. Um, mm-hmm. We have Teams chats. We have like SharePoint folders. We have like content libraries of specific like narratives or pitches or frameworks that we've been able to successfully like run through. Um, And we would share it with a bunch of our reps just to say, Hey, by the way, this worked out for us and this delivered X amount, try it and test it on your own. Um, So that's definitely been great. I think mentorship also is amazing. We have mentors that are for your career development as well as, mentors just for your day-to-day who are actually maybe just more senior to you and they you know you can run actual content by them Um, there's times where you know you'll be running a pitch for a very niche industry at times and there's literally no insights internally or there is nothing you can really build off of and at times just being able to speak to everyone and being able to ask questions you don't even realize there's a lot of content that people just have in their folders and they haven't even shared So it's a great way to kind of deliver that. Um, I think one thing else is just human connection at LinkedIn is amazing. 
they've been able to be as hybrid as possible, but also be able to understand um, kind of the importance of being in person and Mm. being able to be creative and think outside the box. One thing that they've been able to really do well for a tech company is in our offsites or in our in-person meetings, we tend to not just, you know, only be talking numbers or only be talking, what is your quota? What are you doing? What's your client doing? It's more, how do we build skills beyond just our day to day? Which is really important for career development. Yeah, no, for sure. And kind of looking at it from, you know, before you had joined LinkedIn and when you were kind of in the recruitment process of, I guess I'll call it like big tech, is there any like tips you could give or advice you would have um, when applying to these companies or making yourself stand out? Because I think it's also another barrier that a lot of people face mm-hmm. when they look at these type of companies. Like they, again, put them on this like pedestal and it's all glamorized and they think that it's so far out of reach. And I think, you know, mm-hmm. from what you said, you know, you thought the same thing when you were in school. So kind of do you yeah. have any tips on breaking down that barrier, you know, from the outside uh, and maybe even switching from a different industry? Yeah, I know. I think that's something that I still perceive as tech at times it, it is obviously a very hard way to get in right um and that is just because there are of course people ahead of us who have probably been trying for years on end right they have years of experience they have years of um development a brand they've been able to create a network they've been able to create too and i think the network in canada within our industry is much smaller but in the u.s it's probably a hundred times bigger Um, But I think it's definitely about how you want to be considered in the future and what you want to be known for. Um, That's definitely a huge factor. Um, There was something that I was talking to my director about and I was like, hey, I feel like everyone has been telling me to create a personal brand in the company. What do you think about that? Like, what is your view on personal brand in a company itself? Like, we were hired for a reason. Why are we having to create a personal brand too? And I think something that he sat me down and said too was like, yeah, you could create a personal brand. You could say Simran's great at building like pitches, but is that what you want to just be known for, for the entire or for your entire career? Or do you want to be known for, hey, Simran was able to do every single task in the last five years, A to Z, and has probably outdone herself above and beyond, you know? Um, there's also something like the exact same thing. The head of Canada at her at her office said, you know, like a, a VP came up to her and said, oh, my God, like we're going on a trip. Don't you just love having fun? You're the fun person. <laughs> she kind of was like, am I supposed to be known as a fun person? Like, is that my brand? I've done a lot more than just being fun. Yeah. Right. So I think it's 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 about being able to build like a 360 And I think that's what's going to drive more success in your interview process than being just great on paper, right? We can all be great on paper and understand kind of like the to-dos of how we're going to be audited in a resume, but it's about how you show up. It's really interesting that you bring that up because I think also, you know, when you think about it, especially I think when you first join a company or when you're early, especially in the early days of your career, if if someone gives you a compliment or says that you're good at something, you kind of want to take it and run. You're kind of like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm good at slide decks, for example. Like I'm going to make sure I'm on every single deck. And like, I think it's easy to get comfortable and want to leverage that. But I think what you said is very, very good advice because it's true. You want to make sure that you're a 360 degree person that has like a whole 
realm of skills. And I think that will also help when you're maybe looking to, you know, be promoted or or switch roles. You're not pigeonholed into like one specific area where people can only picture you doing one specific task. And I think that'll actually help you be more successful in general so that people can see you and picture you in different roles with different people. And another thing that I've heard quite a bit um, in the interview stages is that people say when they're interviewing you, or some people do, that they want to make sure that if they had to sit on a plane with you for like 10 hours sitting next to you, they'd want to be able to have a conversation or sit next to you for 10 hours. Because uh, if you're just good on paper or, you know, if you only, you know, if you don't have the soft skills, then no one would want to sit next to you on a plane for 10 hours. And that was a weird example, but I've just heard that a couple of times. And I feel like yeah. once what you were saying. Yeah. And I think one thing that I've also learned here is, or something I've learned from a lot of executives who've moved tech companies or who have, um, been able to really be able to be dynamic um, as soon as the transition on this side was be known for something beyond just work too, to a certain extent, like have something you're passionate about. I think something that our senior director, when she joined LinkedIn was psychological safety or like the head of Canada was all about inclusivity. And she wrote like a whole, she created like a whole diary and a journal that she's been able to publish about inclusivity. And I think that's, it's a great way of just going beyond just like your work brand, but also being something like being able to endorse your passion beyond just your career and just like the nine to five job. Like you want to be able to be stopped in the hallway and say, Hey, like what's not on your LinkedIn profile? Like give me one word and be able to just rant about it all day. Yeah, no, that's very true. And it's funny because I feel like sometimes when you get that question, like, tell me about yourself, everyone just, like, goes to their LinkedIn profile and will say everything. And then it's kind of like, what, like, what's more? And it's interesting, though, because obviously it's kind of that balance, right? Like, you know, making sure that you're presenting yourself, but I think you also are building time outside of your your nine-to-five or your work or your school to actually have passions. I think also being authentic is something that I think especially as students, sometimes we glance over that because you just kind of want to get in, get your foot in the door. But I think authenticity is also something that, really shines through especially on these topics now like you know what you're passionate about if it's not something you're actually passionate about people are going to be able to see right through that and then that's only going to look worse on you absolutely for sure I think that's that's a great way of it's like you don't have to wear your passion on your sleeve but you can also be it, it can also be pretty evident I think something that I've been able to see sometimes with the different personalities in person now, I think that's what human connection about is you can stop someone and be like, I can see you're a passionate sneakerhead. So am I (laughs) like, I love those shoes. Those are amazing. Or you can see someone like being able to be part of like an employee resource group and you see them in a completely different light from their like nine to five job. And you're like, Oh my God, I was passionate about that too. And you build a whole different connection with them. I think that's where you're going to be able to really show up in an interview too, is being able to talk way beyond just your nine to five job. Because mm-hmm. in all honesty, all the 500 people that are being interviewed are probably doing the exact same thing. Yeah. I think going back to even being in person and building relationships within the office or within your network, you're going to build deeper relationships with those around you if you're able to talk about more than just yeah. your nine to five. So. I think it's a really good takeaway and hopefully something that everyone that's listening can take away and hopefully implement. If not in your summer internships, then even your relationships at school or as you kind of work towards networking and building relationships with recruiters, I think it's all really important and a really good takeaway. Um, With that, 
I have my last question of the interview, which is what is one piece of advice that you want to leave listeners with that you wish you knew when you started your career or that you've been given throughout that's really stuck with you? Oh, I mean, I feel like everyone's heard about this from me. If they know me personally, it's not about your education. It really is not about what you studied in university. And I think there are a lot of students out there that I actually feel bad that everyone is like, it's about my GPA. It's about what I studied for. If it's not that, I don't know how I'm going to get into the career I've always dreamt and wanted. Um, The best actually um, icebreaker for me in the interview process was, hey, I never did business school and I'm still here. And the inter or like the interviewer immediately will look at the bottom of my resume and see my education be like, you didn't go to business school or like you had art history or like you're from U of T, but you did art. Like what? Um, And I think that was the best way to honestly just like break the ice and get a conversation going and kind of have that distinguishing factor. So I would say is really be a go-getter but ensure that even if there are things like your education stopping you or there are things where you feel like maybe you're not as or you are not able to do the the clubs that everyone else did go above and beyond in other aspects be able to really build that network um i think that's one thing that i was a little weak at at the start i was not able to build my network enough uh, because I would kind of be a little scared. I would be like, how do I go up to someone and ask for a coffee chat? But I had like economics and art history on my on my degree. Like I want to be in marketing. What am I doing? You know, I think just stop questioning yourself, work smarter um, and be able to really build that brand and be able to go up to people. And if you need to schedule 50 coffee chats and only five come back to you, those five might help you in the long run. You never know. So really be able to do that. 100%. I think I think in the back of our minds, everyone knows that even if you didn't study business, you can be in business. Or even if you didn't study yeah. history, you could be a teacher. Like I think in the, or you would need to be in teacher's college, but you know what I mean. I think everyone yeah. knows that, but it's just one of those things that when you're in the thick of it and when you're in you know those like prime ages of like 18 to 24 of like mm-hmm. in education and everything, it's so hard to get past that because it's just what you're surrounded with. And it's such an interesting thing because then you get to the workforce and everyone is like, I don't think I've asked one person, you know, what their background is. Like maybe I asked where they went to school just yeah. to see if there was like UFT, but I'm not like, oh, well, like, did you do a minor in economics or like, exactly. you know, you don't ask those questions, but in the I long just think run, it's something. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. matter. I think it's literally the funny thing is like if I needed to know what someone was doing without asking them, the first thing I would do is Google them or go on LinkedIn. Yeah. So I feel like that's what you need to understand is that's your strength, to be honest, yeah. like building your brand online or being able to really speak of what you do online. There's like this, this, this coaches crew or like this specific team that I volunteer for internally. Um, and it's to be able to help professionally challenge people like maybe someone who's come after Matt leave after like five years or people who maybe just a bit challenged in terms of being able to build their brand or being able to um, come from a very hard background in the past and how they can start applying the jobs. And a lot of the times you see the first question that comes is, I don't know how to reach out to people. I'm just afraid to be rejected. You know, that's the exact same thing happening in the job market at, at this point in time too. And I think yeah. you just kind of need to go through that slump. And once you get into pace, 
and you forget about the rejection emails, you'll get past. I definitely agree. Well, hopefully anyone listening takes this as a sign to not worry about the rejection emails and to go after it. Um, Simran, thank you so much for joining us in the Business Casual. Such so fun chatting with you. And if you want to connect with Simran on LinkedIn, we will have it linked in the show notes. Perfect. Thank you so much. It was great speaking to you.